Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello NRL fans, welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host Matt Namofsky and welcome back to the Sunday session. Looking back at all the games from round eight in the Telstra Premiership. I've got Johnny here with me, mate. Johnny, how are you? Good, good, mate. How are you? Good. Thanks for jumping on. All right. All right. So it's been an interesting week. We keep saying it every week. They keep uh, giving us some nice results to pan over. And, you know, some of the games have been, you know, there's been some okay games. Probably the last game of the round is, you know, falling into that category. But then we also have, you know, a Raiders Rabbits game on Thursday. That was pretty fun. So we'll jump straight into it with that game. So we had the South Sydney Rabbitohs going down the Hume Highway down to Canberra Stadium and defeating the Canberra Raiders 34 to 20. Uh, big takeaway from here, Johnny, I think, is the George Williams injury. Looks mm-hmm. like he's done his hummy slash groin, one of the two, so more news on him this week. But it's huge to have, you know, a bit of form slump about them as they've been doing, now losing one of your primary playmakers. How did you see this game going? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I've, I've had a look at, you know, the socials and, you know, the, the interchange situation going mm-hmm. on down there with Canberra. A lot of the uh, players' wives aren't happy with Sticky. <laughs> uh, very, very limited minutes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on behind closed doors down there. Look, everyone, you know, the Raiders uh, for the past few years have been top four sides. And it's, it's interesting, the past few rounds, they've just been slipping away there, haven't they? Yeah, I think, to me, not enough has been made about the Chance injury. Hmm. We keep banging, banging the drum on this podcast, you know. He's a great player, and I think it's so important what he does for that side. He does a lot of dirty yeah. things for this side that a lot of players in this in this Canberra side that don't do right now. So They're missing just, a bit of depth back there, aren't they? Yeah, you know, he starts the sets well, you know, always takes over 20 runs a game, gets close to a 200-meter mark. And even in the in you know in their attacking line, he just knows where to be. You know he knows when to throw a pass, when to tuck the ball under the wing. You know it's just it's a it's a big loss. And like Ricky said, you know there's some players that aren't playing first grade quality right now. You made note of the fact that the interchanges are slightly off at the moment. So it's just you know we're gonna have to see what happens. But they can't keep going this way. We always thought this would be a six team comp, you know, a top six, but. They're clearly in the second tier right now. I, I don't think it's any other way to cut it. They're for the amount of talent they have on this roster, something is internally wrong, and Ricky needs to sort it out. Yeah, mate. Yeah, um, good point about the two tier competition at the moment. I'm looking at the table in the point differentials. So the top five sides at the moment are Panthers, Eels, Rabbits, Storms. They all have point differentials over a hundred, whereas the rest is pretty much all in negatives. So, yeah, there's definitely a, two, a two-tier system going on here in the NRL. And if you said to before the season, you know, if we said that there's only a top five, Canberra would have been one of those teams. They were on every podcast. Everyone was penciling them in for another prelim final, and a lot of them, you know, a grand final. And they still might get there. You know, like I said, there's too much quality on this side to not do that. But, yeah, it's going to be a pretty interesting next couple of weeks to really monitor because, you know, you have someone – if George Williams is out for a couple of weeks – that's now an, another huge hole of what I feel. So, look, that's a bit on the camera side. Let's go to the winning side. Let's go to the Rabbitohs because this, this could have been a trap game for them. Uh, they went down there and did the job. Well, what did you see from the Rabbitohs and how they're rolling at the moment? Yeah, um, they've got an interesting thing going on with, um, you know, 
they've got Walker back in uh, fullback and they've got Benji, you know, Benjamin Button. He's uh, <laughs> he's just turning back time, isn't he? He's playing out of his skin. And then, look, the, the back line is just, just still blistering there with um, the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but they were saying when Wayne Bennett signed Benji to that deal, he basically wanted seven games from him, you know, a couple of origin covers and, you know, the odd injury, the old, the odd rest. And that was going to be more than enough. If he came in for those seven games, did the job, then that he, yeah. he earned his money. And yeah. with what's happened in this season, and I guess we'll discuss the Adam Reynolds injury now. Exactly. There's, yeah. there's a fantastic chance that Benji Marshall will play every single game for the Rabbitohs this year and more than half of them in the starting side, which is absolutely incredible in 2021. We're saying Benji Marshall is in a top four side, steering them around the park when a team like the Tigers, who let him go, you know, are still, you know, down the bottom of the table where they are. It's just incredible. Like I said, um, Cody Walker, a fullback, has done a job. He's done exactly what he needs to do. He still plays very similar to how he does at 5'8", obviously a little bit wider on the ruck there, but, you know, still very direct, loves to throw that ball out to the edge. But, yeah, to me, the Rabbits just keep rolling. Kulamatangi has added a new element to his game since he's returned from suspension. So, you know, again, I guess let's go through it now before we keep going. So the big news from this get from this game is the three injuries to the Rabbitohs key players. So Campbell Graham looks like he's out for two to four weeks. Also Adam Reynolds out for three to five weeks. And then we got Cam Murray looking at about three weeks at the moment. So for the next three weeks, they're going to be down on troops here. Uh, Braden Burns came back through... New South Wales Cup this week, so he's a chance to return next week. Josh Mansour still looks like he's a bit away. You've got Benji Marshall who'll probably come in as cover uh, into the number seven jersey and put uh, Cody back into the six. And in the front row, I guess Dry Arrow will just move into the 13 jersey when Tola comes back next week. So look, it's a team that's got nice depth, but these are the type of injuries you don't want to kind of start piling up here. Any other takeaways from this yeah, game um, of, you know, the Rabbitohs as contenders or where, where do you see this Raider side kind of bouncing back in the next couple of weeks? Oh, look, the Rabbitohs are definitely contenders. You mentioned their depth. Um, it's something these these good sides all tend to have. You, know, you look at the City Roosters, they've got half their first grade squad out. Um, you, with the Rabbitohs, um, you know, I, Cody Walker will probably just slot back into the halves, pairing Benji Marshall, um, AJ to the back. And, you know, they've got plenty of depth in the backs and the forwards there with the Raiders um look they they are, are, are obviously lacking some depth in the backs there but their forward is still all quality forwards um you'd hope you know there's a turnaround soon because you know, like you know the what Ricky's done for for Canberra over the past few seasons you know they're too good not to play a final series it would be a real shame not to have the Raiders up there yeah definitely all right move on to the first Friday game it was the Melbourne Storm 40 defeating the Cronulla Sharks 14. Another game where, you know, the, the Melbourne Storm took a while to get going, kind of let the Sharks hang around in this one, but then their ability to put the foot on the throat and really, like, put the foot down to the pedal is probably the best in the comp, probably even better than the Panthers in terms of just can blow a team out in 15 minutes. Well, what did you see from this game? Yeah, the Storm... Um, look, um, it's happened a, a few games this season, actually, where the Storms have started off a bit slow, but, geez, once they get going, they really put the foot down onto the throat there. How many second-half tries were there? I'm just counting now, two, four, six, seven second-half tries there with Remus Smith picking up a hat-trick. Yeah, um, yeah. Jerome, who's, he, he's, he's, he's been on fire the past few rounds, hasn't he? He's one of the most improved players in the comp from where he was, you know, 
he was one of those three fullbacks when Melbourne had Hughes, Pappenhausen, and Drinkwater all vying for that number one jersey. His, mm. tra- his transformation into our, our now seven is incredible. What they do down in Melbourne when they just really, you know, because don't forget, he Brody Croft was mm. incumbent seven when Jerome Hughes started moving into that seven role. And there were some people in Melbourne saying, keep Brody Croft in that seven jersey. You know, he's the heir apparent to Kronk. But they've made it a fantastic decision. You know, he, they've t- signed him long term. He's going to be a cornerstone of this team moving forward. But to me, this is all about, you know, again, no Pappenhaus in this game. So Nico Hines comes in and does a job. Still got Harry Grant working his belly back from injury. So Brandon Smith kind of doing the rotation with him. He had Solomona who was out in this game. Like you said, nice depth across the park. You know, Brent Lee has not played a game this season. George Jennings out with a concussion. Just they're able to fill these slots and it's going to be such, I can't wait for, you know, next week we've got the Rabbits versus uh, Melbourne on Thursday night. That's going to be an incredible game because, again, another team that I just want to see them up against another top four side to really, we saw them come up short against the Panthers and the Eels this year. You can just tell that Bellamy goes, okay, this is the other team of that top four. We're going to really put it to them. So I'm really excited to see what uh, Melbourne does in this next game. Um, with the Sharks, I mean, look, I don't think anyone gave them a chance going down to Melbourne. They've got a, a you know, they've got a caretaker coach there. Um, to their credit, you know, they stuck around in the first half, but yeah, geez, they just couldn't really keep up for the whole eight either. Yeah, Sean Johnson had some moments in the first half. Uh, Will Kennedy looks like he's been kind. Team to start to really figure him out in terms of not giving him that room on the edge that he likes. Uh, I like Nakora and Graham on, you know, that back row and Rudolph going through as the 13. I do. They've got positions there that I really, really like. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's such a huge change to lose your coach, mm. you know, because John Morris likes to do things a certain way. Maybe Josh Haney likes to do it another way. Just that, that, could, that, you know, it's all about, I think these NRL players really like consistency to get told what to do. And they just do that. You, it's a sprint to the 26 rounds, right? You just got to get get your flow, get your wins. When you just change that six rounds in and say, everything that you did in this offseason is now different and we're doing something, you know, different and my view of it and my playing style might be different to the to John Morris, it's a huge change. Yeah. And, you, and not only that, your lead playmaker's coming off an, uh, off an Achilles injury. They're going to be fighting this for the rest of the season are really, I think the top eight, I'd say right now, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but they don't want to fall too far down this ladder here. Yeah, it's it's a struggle when you know you you've just lost your coach, and from all reports, you know all the players really loved playing for John Morris, and nothing against you know the interim coach John Hane. Um, it's just that you know the players they sort of have have an excuse not to turn up every week now. You know you got a clear coach, you know if they don't turn up, you know it's on to next season, I guess. Yeah, and like some of these players who are off contract now, are they in Josh Hane's plans? A lot of things probably hanging over this side now that didn't really need to be there. And they've obviously got their coach in the future with Craig Fitzgibbon locked in for next season. They got Cam McInnes locked and loaded for sign next season. Reports that Adam Reynolds is going to sign there. So look, moving forward to 2022, there's obviously going to be some roster turnover and they're going to improve in some positions. But I guess for this year, with the way they started and how they really snuck around from a lot of those opening rounds, there's a chance this could turn pretty sour and, you know, they don't want this to be a development year. They should still be pushing for the 80. There's still, still some talent there, but just going to have to see how it plays out, I guess. 
move on to the second game on th- on Friday night. This was an incredible game to watch. Uh, the Brisbane Broncos are getting up over the Gold Coast Titans 36 to 28. And this is easily the craziest game of the season, Johnny. I guess Titans just jumping them. They'll keep in pace with the scoreboard. They'll beat in the scoreboard after going up 22 new after 15, 16 minutes. Yeah. And no, I was watching going, they're going to get 80. They're literally, they're going to get 80. Yeah. At that point, you know, no one would have, be surprised if it was 80 nil at full time. I don't think Kevin Walters ha- thought they could have a shot of uh, coming back for the win. But you know, credit to the Broncos, they they really stuck in there, and you know they laid on their own flurry of tries before halftime, and uh, they they really came back here. Um, we saw glimpses of what they could do against Penrith. Um, two, that was two weeks ago now. Um, obviously, they got dusted up in Darwin by the Eels, but you know, coming back to um, versus Titans at SunCorp. Um, yeah, they, they really showed some guts and effort there, which was missing for a lot of 2020. Yeah, and like like we said, 22 minutes after 22 points after 15 minutes. <laughs> but then when they did score, I can't remember who was on the commentary on that game that I was watching. I was watching the Fox commentary, but the person did made a great point. It was literally the first time that Brisbane went up that side of the field and they scored with ease. There was no create like it was literally just outnumber them, go sweep to the sweep to the left. Our number, Herbie Farmworth goes over. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, you're absolutely right. This Titan side that has been so inconsistent, that's been prone to leaks, literally had one chance to really, you know, they jumped they jumped them. They were doing cartwheels in the in the in goals when they got <laughs> their fourth try. But they got they were asked to make one defensive set to really like lay the platform defensively. And they leaked with it wasn't even there was no no creativeness about it. It was just Hooker to halfback to 5-8 to wing or to center. And they scored with ease. So as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, hang on a second. If <laughs> Brisbane can just hold on to the ball here and they can get some get their forwards rolling, they could be in the here. And the way it played out, I, there was obviously no chance I knew that was going to happen. But to me, the, the storyline of just this Titans team, that that's I guess my my thoughts out of this game is the Titans to me just show that they're not they're not contenders this year. We all, we all thought there was a chance they can really do some damage in this competition, but they're, they're still a fair bit off. You know, they've got some talent, but just in terms of experience and maturity on the park, they're, they're still a ways off. Yeah, look, you, you win premierships with your defence. That's the old saying goes, and the premierships are far come from contenders at the moment. Um, but they're an entertaining side to watch. You know, they've got great attacking prowess across the park. But yeah, in terms of the defence, it's, it's really not there. They pretty much... Yeah, let the Broncos right into this game and they were just turnstiles. And, you know, the, the way the Titans jumped them very early, there was a couple of errors there by the Broncos and some beautiful kicks. You know, the the Ash Taylor one at the right side of the game to set up Proctor was beautiful. And then you also had the um, the Jamal Fogarty really just, you know, flexing his muscles with his nice kicking game as well. Um, but in terms of where this game was won and lost, I was really impressed with Tyson Gamble. I was really yeah. impressed with Tyson Gamble. He, you know, he didn't like do some chips and chase and like all these different things, but he had such emotion about him. And after watching Brody Croft hold that number seven jersey and Tom Deaton holding that seven, seven jersey, it was incredible to watch someone just like get up in someone's face and bark and clap them. And it was exactly what the, the Broncos needed, you know. What's your thoughts on Gamble and Milford as a half combo moving forward? 
Yeah, to be honest, before this game, I didn't know much about Tyson Gamble at all. When I saw the team list, I thought he's got a great name, but that was <laughs> all as much I knew about him. Um, watching him, he he looked really good out there. I think he you know had a man of the match performance out there. He, he was really in control. Milford was just doing Milford things. Um, he wasn't steering the ship around. That was Tyson's job, and I think he did a good job of that. And yeah, looking forward to uh, yeah if he can do it two weeks in a row for next week. Yeah, in in the in the lead up to the in the week, you know, you heard a guy like Payne Haas, who probably is the locker room leader of this Bronco side, even though he's so young, he's he's easily probably the best player on that roster. So when he does talk, you do listen. And he was all over giving praise to Tyson Gamble, which you know, mm. Tom Deaton obviously on his way out and Brody Croft still in the still in the club. For them to say to a guy who's played five first grade first grade games, oh, this is our guy, he's a great guy, like he's gonna he's gonna lead us here, you'd love to see it. So I think those two, like the two halves played well, but we can't go past your boy, Osako. Now it's an outstanding game. That step when he took that bomb and he just planted his right foot into the ground and went up the field. That was, he's a player. And I was a big fan of him after his rookie season. Like in our draft, I did draft him third, uh, third, no third overall, I think in, in one of our, in one of our drafts. And like, you know, he just hasn't been able to hit that, height of his rookie season but he's just looking like a first grader like a and you know whether he's the fullback of the future for this side I don't know that but he's just an out and out footballer yeah that will be on the highlight reels for the ages isn't it mm. um, shout out to Isako for beating uh, getting me over the line this week for super coach as well he put up what 150 something so his ceiling is absolutely massive um, it's no surprise you know for the Broncos' two wins this season, Isako did fire with, you know, um, tries and try assists. Um, he's just an excitement powerhouse back there. But to do that, he, you know, he needs his forwards to lay the platform and, you know, having the halves just kick them into a um, winning position. Yeah, I think the, the good point there is the forwards, you know, Haas and Lodge, Flegler through the middle, you know, then you mm-hmm. have a Fafito and a TPJ on an edge. They've got some options, and if those forwards do roll on, it does give some of these talented outside backs. You know, Katoni Staggs is back in three to four weeks. So you add another game breaker to this side. This Bronco side, they're not going to do damage in terms of making the eight, but they can definitely improve, and Kevy can find some cornerstones to build around, which is all that he wants to do this season. They can make another couple of shrewd signings in the offseason, and then all of a sudden top eight looks realistic for next year. But again, this to me, this is the game about the Titans, and Justin Holbrook really needs to... Look in the look in the mirror here and say, who who needs to be in this side? Because to me, uh, when Ash Taylor, when a team, when Ash Taylor is in your team and you're up by twenty, he looks like one of the best five five eights in the comp. And when he's down by ten, he looks like one of the worst five. He just, you know, Jamal Fogarty does what he can do, but you need so much more out of that million dollar five eight there, don't you, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. Um... And we'll talk about, you know, other young up-and-coming halves later in this round when name is Sam Walker. But you, you feel like, you know, there's a lot of pressure getting put on Sam Walker. And last time this happened, he went by a bloke called um, Ash Taylor. So, you know, leave it mm-hmm. at that. And I guess one other big thing for the Titans, they do get Tino back next week from suspension. So he will add a bit more muscle through the middle there. But it'll be very interesting moving forward to see the, seeing these two uh, teams for the next couple of weeks to see how they do bounce back from this game here. Mm-hmm. We move on to the first Saturday game. It was the Penrith Panthers hosting 
from Bathurst, the Manly Seagulls, and the Panthers got up 28 to 16. How do you see this one going, Johnny? A bit, bit of a more of a tussle than I thought a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, I mean, you know, three weeks ago before Turbo was back, um, you'd expect Penrith to put another like 50 or odd on uh, the Seagulls here. But yeah, to the, the Seagulls' credit, it was a lot closer than we expected. Um, the Panthers, again, they aren't blowing teams out of the park like um, the Storm are, but they're doing, they're sort of doing just enough to win, and that's pretty much all you really need to do at this point. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this game was competitive. The final scoreline, you might go, and if you, even if you look, watch like the KO Mini, it's like, oh, Panthers had this pretty comfortable. There were times there where, you know, Manly just got let down by a, by a, an error or you know, a bit of brilliance from the Panthers, but I do definitely see this team being pushing around the top eight because not only just Turbo, you, you look at a guy like Foran who's been able to come into this side and really steer them around. Josh Schuster added another another element to that edge. And they're going to get a player like Curtis Hirenham back probably next week or the week after. So they're going to start, you know, they're going to start getting a bit healthy. Moses Suley, whether he takes over for Morgan Harper, they just, they've just they now starting to get some options. And this Panther side now winning eight in a row, that's probably the storyline because they're going to be ravaged with some origin selections coming forward here. The early, early looks, they're probably going to have maybe six players playing origin this year. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do roll in the middle of the season. So getting these wins right now is really, really valuable for them moving forward. Yeah. Um, it's they're, they're pretty much back to full strength now, aren't they? With uh, what Appy played his first game this week. And then with uh, Dylan Edwards coming back last week, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see when exactly they'll get their, their first loss because, you know, as you said, eight in a row, who can stop this uh, mammoth uh, Panthers machine going? Yeah, and like you said, you know, they are versing some of the lower teams in the comp the last couple of rounds and they've been able to, you know, just do enough to get the performance, but really wanting to see them really just open up and fire on all cylinders here to see what they can do because I, I don't see a team that's going to beat them right now. I think Melbourne is probably the closest chance if they do host them like down in Amy Park. But if they get the minor premiership and the competition goes through Panther Stadium, then it's going to be very tough to see someone beating them. But from a manly side, going back there one more time, again, Desi starting to make the right calls here. We did say in the first couple of rounds when Dylan Edwards was, Dylan Walker was playing fullback, no one wanted to see it. After one round, we knew it wasn't going to work. And just that one change, seeing a guy who was out of position to one of the best at that position just shows you how valuable that fullback position is. Yeah, uh, we're eating our words, aren't we? <laughs> How mm. much can one player make a difference? And um, clearly, Tommy Turbo can change his whole manly side around. Which we all, we all knew how great of a player Turbo was. And, you know, when you look at this, when you looked at that manly roster, we have always said they're very top heavy. But, yeah, the way that they rely on him is, you know, obviously amazing that he's back and he's playing some really, really good footy. But it's also pretty scary if you're a manly fan, right? If he's not there oh. and he gets injured again, you're basically saying if he's there, we're a chance. If he's not there, we're wooden spoon contenders. Like that's not a good place to be. So it's going to be very interesting for me moving forward, especially this off season. I think Manly really need to start working around the fact and kind of planning for him not to be there, build a roster around him not being there. Cause then when you just inject him into it, that's when you get the results. So it's going to be very interesting moving forward to see if he can stay on the park there. Fingers crossed. We'll move on to the next game. It was the Kenry Bankstown Bulldogs hosting the Parramatta Eels. And Parramatta getting up here 32 to 10. I'll take the lead here as a Parramatta fan. This was, I was, you know, saying all week, 
no chance we got this, you know, if we're a side like this, um, you know, we're going to really put them to the sword. But I was secretly pretty nervous. This frisky dogs team that got up last week and, you know, Trent Barrett, you know, crying on the sideline. In, in a lot of other seasons, this is a game where we have to win in the last minute to get the job done. I was really impressed with how Parramatta really just kind of said this team is in our, in our league and just put them to the sword. Madison being back was huge and they did what we we preached. They put him back on the on the right side and had Papali'i on the left. So they did have Sean Lane move back to the bench, which was amazing as a Parramatta fan seeing that in the in the warm-ups. I, I was absolutely loving because the way Papali'i's been playing, you cannot bench the man. No, and yeah, that's right. You and me, you know, talking about, well, it would have been maybe five weeks ago now when Papali'i was sitting on our waivers and you and me were, you know, we were top of the table at the time. You're still there, obviously. <laughs> But we're both going, you know, he's our first priority waiver. We're going to pick him up. This is going to be amazing. Dual position, starting on an edge for Parramatta. And what he's done is oh. the, the fact that he took the pay cut to leave the Warriors because he didn't think the Warriors could really let him flourish as a player. What a way to, to bet on yourself because, you know, he did sign a very cheap deal to come to Parramatta. But there's no doubt they're restructuring that at the end of this season to lock him up long term because he's... What he does on that edge really complements Madison, what he'll do on the other side. It just gives Parramatta such an uh, element they didn't have last year. Yeah, yeah. You saw that, his, his assist, you know, it's just a ball out to wing there. He's, he's such a big mode on him. Um, he's played, like, pretty much, not the full 80, but pretty much right up there. Um, Sean Lane, he's finally on the bench. I guess um, new Para fans can rejoice. Yeah. Um, yeah, these dogs and eels games—they're they're always traditionally, you know, they're all very, always very close. Um, but the way Parramatta played this game—I mean, aside from that, those back-to-back tries after halftime—I feel like overall, uh, you'd be quite happy with the eels' performance there. I was. I think Gutherson's playing the form of his career at the moment. The, what he is doing is really amazing, and he should be very close to the top of the Daly M right now. Unlucky yeah. not to win it last year. I think he's every chance to win it this year. Uh, and to me, I'm praying as a Paramount fan, he doesn't get selected for Origin. <laughs> you know, obviously, Gutho deserves all the rep jerseys that he can. He's just playing behind Pappenhaus and Tedesco right now. And, you know, in the centres, spoiler alert, we had um, some fullbacks filling in the centres right now that isn't named Gutherson. But if he's there during Origin time, and, you know, because potentially when you look at that, the, the New South Wales and Queensland side, Paramount might not have a player selected. Yeah, you might be full strength towards that. That which is incredible because be when you look when you look at the top five, that top five that we spoke about, we will be the only team that is not affected. You mm. look at the Panthers, you look at the Storm, you look at the Roosters, you know, you look at the Rabbits. They're going to have players out, and Parramatta has a chance to keep one to seventeen for the whole season, no interruptions, which is huge. So, as a Parra fan, I love the position where we're banking wins. Um, not going to get up. I'm not on Ticket Tech yet. I'm not buying the t- not buying the grand final tickets yet <laughs> as much as I want to, but lo- love the position that we're in because you know it's it's a lot of clubs would envy where we are right now. So we got the job done, which is good. But from a bulldog side, look again. Th- this was never the season. 2021 was never the season for them to come out and try and take the eight out. D- did I think they'd be more improved than this? Yes, but this is going to take time. Trent Barrett, obviously a lot different of attacking coach to the Dean Pays of the world. So they're going to have to take time to get used to this. They've got a lot of 
roster turnover as well in key positions. Um, but what's your thoughts on the Bulldogs moving forward for the rest of the season? Uh, with the Bulldogs, look, um, no, no one's, yeah, no, no one expected them to, you know, set the world on fire this this season. As you mentioned, they they probably are, you know, planning for next season. With you know, they've recruited well with you know Burton, Ado Car coming on. I think, yeah, the best they can hope for this season is to uh, yeah, get their combinations up with um, you know. Carl Flanagan in there and Jake Avarula, he's he's looking really good there at 5-8. You know, he's got the speed and um he, he's he's a great ball runner. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see where he plays next season because obviously he'll be in the side somewhere, but the halves are obviously locked up. So it's gonna be very interesting to see where they do uh play him. One more mention on this game, I will say one of my ball predictions for Supercoach before this season started was that. Uh, Kyle Flanagan would not average more than Jack Cogger from last <laughs> year. I'm a huge Jack Cogger fan and not really that high on Kyle Flanagan. Just want to put it out there. We're eight rounds in. He's currently an average of 43. Cogger averaged a 42 last year and he got another 29 this round. So I'm very close to that one. And no shots at Kyle Flanagan, but again, Jack Cogger, very underrated. Coming to Parramatta made as our fifth choice halfback. I'll be very happy with it. That's up to you. Um, something we didn't mention is the big injury news coming out of this game. Um, Nathan Brown, your mm. your lock, and also uh, I know it's been said, but the Cardi Party. Are you on it, mate? I'm. I've bought as I bought it. I'm unlimited shares at the Cardi Party. You know, I've got the bandwagon. <laughs> I've already painted it. I've got fresh wheels on it. I'm inviting everyone on. To me, the Nathan Brown story is very interesting. You know. Mm. Looking for a long-term contract before the season started, we held out. We put an offer on the table. He rejected it. We've since pulled the offer altogether. And there was another two clubs that had offers. They've also pulled. So he's currently got no contract offered for next year. He's obviously a great player, but when you look at this Parramatta forward stock right now, it kind of makes a bit of sense not to re-sign Nathan Brown on big money. You know, we can utilize that money to buy another outside back or a backup hooker because Bryce Carr is not going to do this for 26 rounds. We know that. But he's, again, adding another element off the bench that we've just never had. As a, as a Parramatta fan, we've never had that guy that can just come in. And the, the, one of the tries where he was on the left, the ball went to the right. He sprinted, sprinted around to the right, grabbed the ball, quick pass to near core. Like, that doesn't happen before. So to have that in our team, you know, I'm, I'm all on board the Cardi party. You know, I'm the first one there. I've got my party clothes on. I'm, I'm ready for this. So... I know this is going to come back to haunt me in round 20 when he has another five errors. You know, I slammed his first game for Parramatta. I didn't want him in the team. But, yeah, this is the – if we're getting the, the Penrith Panthers car ride from years ago, then I'm, I'm all in for it. Exciting times ahead. Looking forward to it. We'll move on to the last game on Saturday night. It was the Newcastle Knights hosting the Sam Walker-led Sydney Roosters, and the Roosters got up 38-4. to I'm going to let you take the floor here. You're the Newcastle fan. Let's let's just pause this game right now. We'll come back to that in a minute. Talk to me as a Newcastle fan about this season. Started out with so much promise. I think obviously that that West Tigers game kind of was the tipping point, but where, where are you at as a Newcastle fan right now? Look, uh, we're seeing where we're at the table now. We're eight rounds in, a third of the season in. We've got three wins, four losses. I mean, five losses, sorry. Uh, it's probably not good enough, to be honest. You know, we we made the finals last year. At this point, we'd hope we'd be hoping to at least, you know, 
be somewhere around the top eight, win half our games, and that hasn't been the case. Um, the two games that, you know, we'll all keep thinking back to is Tigers game. You know, I feel like we lost that ourselves. You know, full credit to the Tigers, but, you know, the Knights had, like, what, 50 errors that game. <laughs> and then we had the Dragons game where, yeah. you know, Mitchell Pierce just that stupid, you know, rushing out of the line, tearing your peck off on Tarek Sims. Yeah, those two, are, I feel like, we're, those were the ones that got away. And after that, you know, we've just been shot by the Titans. And we've only had, with our two wins, um, you know, two of them were just get out of jail free cards. We had Bradman Best winning us for the Warriors. And um, we had uh, Kaelin Ponga. He had gastro the last night to, you know, get us over the Sharks of the interim coach. So as a Knights fan, you could probably tell the passion in my voice. But yeah, it ha- hasn't been a good start to the season here. Yeah, well said, mate. The before the season, you know, when we did the previews, I had them as high as I think I had them fourth in my very initial ladder. Had them, had them as I was so high on them. When you look at that forward pack, you know, PC one more season, you know, he's got it in him, Ponga. But then you start looking and you went, okay, we're a bit top heavy. You know, once we start getting some injuries here, then we had the the Adam O'Brien issues in the off season. Then we had you know the Mitch Pierce issues in the off season. You know, Bradman Best was limping around at training. I'm, I was like, okay. So I think I ended up having them, I have to check it again, but I think I'll put them at 10th. I think that's where I penciled them in. And right now they are clearly in that second tier of teams, you know, that six to 11 range, because depending on what day you get them, you could see one of the best attacking footy teams in the game, or you could literally see a t- like this game on Saturday, their attack looked clunky and they were very lucky to score that try, that bullet from Kalen Ponga to get Musgrove over the line for his first NRL try, this could easily have been a nil game for you guys, I guess. Let, let's kind of turn to this game now. We need to start as the Sam Walker show. One try, six assists. Absolutely incredible what he's doing as an 18-year-old. I, I threw it out in the group chat to go uh, Sam Walker over Cherry Evans as the Queensland halfback, and I half meant it because it doesn't seem how it doesn't seem that no matter how big you make the stage for this kid, and obviously we're, we're getting into our late 20s now, so I can say kid because he's probably <laughs> 18 and I was not doing that at 18. But it's just incredible what he's doing. He's command of the of the team. And before his first game, you know, me and Dave went to go to that game because I, I just needed to see his first game. I wanted to see him live to see what, he, what an 18-year-old looked like on a field. And that week they were talking about Tedesco saying at training, he was telling us what to do in the film room. He was, you know, telling me I'm doing this for you. And on the, tr- on the, you know, on the training paddock, he was, he pushed Tedesco into his spot to make sure that Tedesco would run the play as Sam Walker wants it. When you hear stories about that before any of the game is even played, you go, maybe this kid's different. And what he's done in the first five games of his career, I don't know what else you can say besides like what a privilege to watch him and what, what a player he may turn into. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on his dick as well um, with <laughs> Sam Walker. He he plays in a very exciting brand of footy, isn't it? It's very eyes up footy. You know, he's he's chipping, he's you know cut out uh, bullet passing out to the wing. He just gets the ball to space or where uh, where the ball is needed, and yeah, it, it, it's it's very refreshing to see. And um, we we touched upon this before, you know, about putting a lot of pressure on young guys, but. 
I feel like the media and all of us footy fans, we're really hoping that, you know, this guy is a 10, 15 year career footballer because if this is what he's doing at 18, it's frightening to see what he can do in five or 10 years time. Oh, and, you know, he may turn into just, you know, he may regress to his actual form, which may be, you know, he might be a career Chad Townsend, which again, that's a solid 15, uh, 10, 15, 15 year first grade career might win a premiership. That's that's great. You know, that might be his floor. But his ceiling, like, I'm not going to throw... You know the names who I would throw out. You know, I'm not going to say them because I don't want to jinx the kid, but the names that everyone would think about as the best halfbacks, you know, the first five rounds, if he does this for the rest of his career, then, you know, there's an absolute chance he can get there. But before we move on, I think, you know, we need to touch on... I, I don't know what it is with the Roosters and ACLs. Last year in the same uh-huh. game... You had Verrills go, you had Radley go. And in this game, literally less than 10 minutes left, literally about four minutes apart from each other. First, Lindsay Collins goes down. One of their form forwards has been getting better and better every year. Origin rep goes down with it. It's now been confirmed as a torn ACL. But then the absolute gut punch. And I think I don't think there's an NRL fan out there that would say they hate this bloke. And, you know, he was every... I was talking to Vin two weeks ago and we were talking about how much longer does he need to play to break Ken Irvine's try scoring record? And we kind of laid it out. You know, he needs about two and a half years, include like, you know, finish the season another year and a half. Brett Morris goes down with what looks like it's been confirmed as a torn ACL. And it's, you know, he's 34 now. He's done it all to do in the game. This may be the end. And what, what a fucking, like, you know, that's one of my first swear words doing the podcast. What a fucking joke that it is that a guy like him has to finish a career like this. Like that's just, Heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it was bloody heart wrenching, wasn't it? Just seeing those scenes of you know um, Jared giving him a hug, Josh coming over to give him a hug. Um, yeah, this definitely um, you know dampened the spirits after the game for the Rooster Sheds. Um, it was a great win by them, but yeah, just no one wants to see this happen to Brett Morris. And you know, for what he's done in the game, it's gonna be hard. You know, coming back from this, you know, he's thirty four to go through you know twelve months of rehab. For potentially, you know, he's out of contract. Ugh, it's, it's a rough one to not go out on, you know, your own terms. Yeah. And, you know, we said after the Kiri injury, you know, are the Roosters a cross off and we couldn't cross them off because they've been going so well, but they keep losing players. And at the end of the day, you know, they've got great depth, you know. It looks like Ikevalu will start now. You've got Joseph Swali waiting in the wings. If Teddy's still out, Billy Smith might come back mid season. Yeah. Would Cordner hopefully back mid season, but. Man, it's when you keep getting these injuries to top guys, it makes it hard to make a push to the finals. And they'll keep going because they're the Roosters and Trent Robinson will get them up every week. But yeah, there was a we made a list of the top five injuries we did not want to see this season. Brett Morris easily makes the list. And yeah, it's a it's a shame. And if he if that is his last game, I do I do feel privileged. Obviously, we're pretty much NRL only. Watches like we don't, we don't go back to the old games and really watch them. We weren't there for that. So I like I like to base this podcast on NRL era era, so like '98 onwards. And he's the best winger I've ever seen. There's no there's no yeah. doubt in my mind. You know, I wasn't there for the start of Wendell Saylor. Um, you know, I saw the I caught, caught the end of him. Um, but from what Brent Morris has done from start to finish, um, yeah, he he's easily my, my pick for winger of the NRL NRL era. And if that's the last game, then. It's a shame, but yeah, what what a crew you did have. Yeah, hands down, I agree completely. Um, you know, 
the best wingers that I've seen. And, you know, just the consistency over his career. It's like, what, 15-plus career. Um, he's done it at the Dragons. He's done it twice at the Roosters, three premierships. Yeah, he's done it all. All right, move on to the second last game of the round. It was the New Zealand Warriors hosting the North, the North Queensland Cowboys, and the Warriors got up here 24 to 20 in an entertaining game. It did bog down in the second half a little bit, but this was the Cody Nicarima Reese Walsh show. Um, the prettiest man in the league, my new man crush Reese Walsh. Um, <laughs> his speed is incredible when he gets through this open field. And this Warriors team, you know, again, another team ravaged with injuries and inconsistency, but. Taris Davida might be back next week. All of a sudden, they've now got a selection headache of does Tuvasa Shek stay at the back? Do you play Reese Walsh somewhere? Does Cody Nakrima go into the nine jersey? And we're very interested to see. But where, what did you see here from the Warriors and how they're going to keep rolling, taking this winner roll forward? Look, the Warriors obviously have a few injuries you mentioned there um, to Vita Harris, but also um, you know the, the key signing over the over the preseason from the uh, Seagulls there, um, the AFB. The AFB, yeah, he, he's going to come back. So, look, with this pack bolster and with um, their, I guess, original halves um, coming back, uh, I think like these Warriors side, they can definitely make a run for the eight. Um, I mean, they're a very entertaining side to watch and, um, you know, just speed all around the park. Um, Nikarima, Walsh, hopefully Rob Walsh, you know, finds his way somewhere on the bench once um, Chanel Harris-Tavita comes back. But, yeah, Great team to watch. I think, like, you know, the Warriors are everyone's uh, second favourite team after what they did for Rugby League last year. Yeah, AFB coming back is huge. It looked like he, it was potentially going to be, like, round 20 he's on a return. Yeah, for more reports, surgery. Yeah, he's two weeks away now, which is incredible. Yeah. So if he's if he can come back and really lay the platform for this side, and then you have, you know, what you do with the number nine jersey, I think, is huge. I think Reese Walsh needs to be in the thirteen. So whether Harris Davida or Cody goes to nine and Egan pushes back to the bench, there's options. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Nathan Brown has proven, you know, got a bit of a bad rap at his time at the Knights. Um, you know, I've always been a pretty critical fan of Nathan Brown. Um, but what he's doing in this side, you know, Ewan Aiken, who was another high-profile signing, only lasted the one game. Pompey's coming and done a great job. Uh, so, and Fusatua, who, you know, he hasn't been playing first grade material this year when he's even been in the few teams. So they've definitely done done it the hard way, but they've been doing some good results here. From the Cowboys, you know, they, they had one three in a row, uh, brought down to earth in this game. What did we see from them? I guess I'll start very quickly. Uh, Jason Tomololo, my boy from draft, drafted him 15th overall, okay. second round. Yeah. You know, that first game only played about the 40-odd minutes and, you know, I was kind of hoping, okay, um, he got the spray that he needed from Todd Payton. He'll come back here and look really, really good. Uh, but again, pretty short minutes and didn't really lay much of an impact. So I'm pretty worried because we did think after they won the three games that Lola would just come back in and take him to the next level. But it doesn't look like he's maybe at that stage of his career or at least the way they're playing him at least will do that. Yeah, I mean, I'll give him a pass you know, for his first round back um, after injury. He has been out for a few rounds now, almost two months. Um, but yeah, he did look very gassed out there and he was limited to only, what, 40-odd, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, yep, so it looks like Todd Payne is doubling down there. Um, hopefully, you know, with some match fitness, Tom Lotto can um, see a bit more minutes. But yeah, worrying signs, I guess, if you're a, a super coach owner of um, 
uh, Lola there. Yeah, I, I do want to put a prediction out here right now. We are round eight of the Premiership, so this is the 2nd of May. If a team wants Jason Tomololo, I think if you make a call to Todd Payton, he will do a deal pretty quickly. I think wow. Todd Payton, I think Todd Payton, with his comments in the first round saying basically he's a 10-year investment and I'm not burning him out. If this is the way you're gonna pay Jason Tomololo a million dollars a season, obviously not gonna get a return on investment. I think there will be a lot of other clubs who would look at the remaining six years on the contract and say, if he burns out in three, let's get three best seasons out of him and we'll work it out after that. So to me, you know, who does that bring into contention? I think the Bulldogs would like to have Jason Tomalolo. I could see, I could see that. You know, you you look at the other teams. I could see, I could see a bit of a smoky coming in. I could say like the Dragons. I could see the Dragons come in and say, you know, we'll we'll take him. It's gonna be. I guess I'll, I'll put it out here now just to say, I'm not gonna be shocked in in five weeks. There starts being some rumors going, Jason Tomalolo could be had for the right for the right price. So just want to put that out there because. This isn't going to work. I know. I know the plan. I know the investment, but you're not paying someone six million dollars over the next six years to play forty-five minutes a game and do forty percent of what Lola used to do. Not going to work. Yeah, it's um. Look, he's there at at lock there at the Cowboys. Um, with these new rule changes, they've sort of swung away from Jason Tamalola there, haven't they? they he, his best position now, it's sort of like he's like a prop forward. He just goes there and uses his body as a batting ram. The, the, the game's definitely shifted to, you know, your more kind of Watsons or your Tyrone Peaches, those quick, elusive um, ball players. Which is why I always thought him on an edge would be a great idea. Mm. You know, if you're getting you know, 65, 68 minutes out of Jason Tomboller on an edge running over. Like, why can't he do what Fafita's doing at the Titans? Mm. To me, that makes no sense. Like, yeah. and like you said, it's a great point. The game has changed and, you know, there's been some some of the props that have really grown out of their minutes that they used to play. And I really hope that's not the case with Tomololo because, you know, we have always thought of him as a pretty agile forward through the middle. But you're absolutely right. If Todd Payton wants to play it this way, you might as well just stick him on an edge and let him run over the Milfords and the, you know, the the smaller halves of the world and try and get your money that way. Because right now it's not working. Yeah, put Ruben Cotter back at 13. There you go. Uh, like, I, I guess the Todd Payton experience has been an interesting one this year. Obviously, very, very set in his ways in terms of there's a def, definite way he wants to play and type of player he wants in this team. And, you know, he's finding some players like, you know, Tualangi had a great game today. Uh, Drinkwater's playing pretty well for his next contract. And Val looks like he's right at home at fullback again. Um, but just, it's going to be interesting to see the next couple of rounds, you know. When you look at the Cowboys' straight three straight wins, it was the Dogs, it was the Tigers, and it was his Canberra side. So you got two of the bottom three teams plus a reeling Canberra side. So you you got to beat who you, who's ahead of you, you know, you got to beat the teams around you. So they did they definitely did that. But we need to kind of see them moving forward, especially against some of the better teams in the comp to see, you know, do they get blown out? Can they keep it close? And that'll be what I'm kind of looking for the next couple of rounds. Look, it'll be a cracking game next Saturday then. And, um, you know, you've got the Cowboys hosting the Broncos. So I'll be looking yeah. forward to that one. A lot of points to be had. That might be another 
Broncos Titans game from this week will be interesting. Some super coach points will be had. Oh, I put the C right on Osaka there. <laughs> we'll move on to the last game of the round. It was probably the most dullest game of the round, so we won't spend too much time on it. It was the St. George Illawarra Dragons hosting the West Tigers, and the Tigers somehow getting up 16 to 8 here. And I guess I'll start here. Is Zach Lomax Tom Trevojevic? Is, is one player, because as soon as he went out, I yeah. thought there were no chance. Yeah, it made a big difference, didn't it? Um, as soon as he went off with, what was it, a broken thumb, I think. Um, the, the ball went all Tigers' way, and Jesus, Tigers' outfit. It was hard to watch at the start, wasn't it? A lot of forward passes. It was The, the completion rate was just bloody awful. But, um, yeah, they, they, to their credit, they, um, they got up, held the Dragons to eight. It was the best defensive effort all season from the Tigers. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, especially if, because Ben Hunt was back this round, you kind of hope that the the Dragons would put a bit of a good showing for themselves here. But there was one stat I just want to bring up here because it says it's, it's an effort stat and it's just really, really shocking to me. So the Dragons missed 45 tackles in this game. So right there, that, that's, why, that's why you lose. That's why you lose. If you're missing 45 tackles in a game, you're not going to win this game. And you're versing probably the bottom two team of the comp and you lost pretty comfortably at home. It's a pretty big wake-up call for the Dragons who got blown off the park against the Roosters last week with no James Tedesco on the field. Uh, Hook's going to have some interesting choices here because another another team that had a promising start of the season starting to catch up with them, you know, getting some pretty poor performances in here. Yeah, they had that run of four in a row and they're back on that shaky ground, isn't there? Um, but just from the Tigers, I mean, they are, like, I guess their backs were exciting to watch. You know, Dane Laurie, he's he's still on a tear. Um, Joey Leilua, he's back and he he looked like he put some some effort out there, to be honest. You know, we know, we know how damaging Joey can be when he wants to be and how damaging he can be when he doesn't want to be on. Um, yeah, so yeah, shout out to um, Dane Laurie and Joey Leilua. They they impressed me this time. Yeah, and the other bloke on Debut, Sini. Um, oh, Sini, how yeah, good well, was he? he? He, when they were talking in the thing, he was on a kangaroo, a junior 18s kangaroo tour and it had some really good players come over off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it was like the Sam Walkers and a couple of other like really notable guys. And he was the leading try scorer on that tour. So this shows you that the Tigers might, and again, this was a season if Michael McGuire can stay there. Another one of these teams that just kind of you need to find your cornerstones and potentially, you know, it's only one game, but if you can find another winger, all of a sudden there you're starting to have you might have North Luma, Sini, Laurie as your back three moving forward. That's a pretty that's, that's some a pretty good nice up and coming talent, don't they? Yeah. So look, Luke Brooks and Adam and Dewey did what they needed to do today. Uh Luke Brooks has been playing better. Adam Dewey, since he's returned from suspension and been in that six jersey, has been a revelation there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if they can just work out this forward rotation uh, and get some get some you know consistency around that, then they'll move away from the spoon pretty quickly, and that they should be pretty safe to not get that this season. All right, we'll leave it there. That was so, like we said, it was a pretty interesting round. Some some definite good games, and some that were probably less. 
less exciting. But Johnny, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been good to have you back. All right, it's always a pleasure. And thanks for everyone for listening. Have a great day, and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.